Welcome to the Disunderstood Podcast. I'm your host, Ella Easton. Welcome back to the Disunderstood Podcast. I'm really excited about today's episode. Our guest is Daniela Kerr. After going undiagnosed for three years with multiple chronic illnesses, Daniela was able to begin her true healing journey in 2020 at the age of 17. She has since learned that healing is much more than meets the eye and that the mind, body, and spirit connection is vital in any type of healing. Daniela is doing better than she has in years and is now sharing her experiences and lessons learned from her healing journey on her own podcast and blog, For the Healing Soul. I actually grew up down the street from Daniela, and although I would have never wished that any of these things would have come into our lives, it has been very special to reconnect and be able to support each other through these really, really challenging times. Daniela has learned so much as a result of her experiences, and she's open to sharing her wisdom, which I and so many others will benefit from. I hope you enjoy. <laughs> okay. There we go. Um, well, thank you, Daniela, for joining us. Um, would you mind sharing with everyone what you have been up to and how things have been going since you shared your story with Disunderstood? Yeah. So overall, I'd say it's been an upward trend. I've been doing a lot better in a lot of ways and doing a lot more things that I want to do. So that's been really awesome for me. Yeah. And um, just lots of going into school, doing projects that I'm interested in and, you know, doing things that make me happy. Yeah. Well, I'm very happy to hear that. Um, In terms of your health um you said it's been a positive trajectory um are there things that you are no longer managing at all um are there things that have kind of improved but are still there walk me through um kind of yeah that in your life so i'd say the biggest um i'd say the biggest progress that I've made has has been in my physical stamina and strength um, since I've started physical therapy. Awesome. It took a lot of time for me to get to the point of doing physical therapy. I was actually bedridden for three years, so it made it really hard to do things physically. And now I'm able to, you know, like stand up for longer, walk around for longer. Um, and then that allows me to do so many more things. And yeah. so that's the biggest thing I've made progress in. And then my chronic pain has pretty been pretty stable. It hasn't really changed that much, but like I said, I'm able to do more with it. Like I'm able to cope with it better. Um, so managing it has gotten easier. And I have not been feeling, you know what, this is the first time of me noticing this, but I haven't been feeling that faint when I stand up recently. So hasn't been happening too frequently. So that's okay. really good too, yeah. That's a win. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I'm curious, are you experiencing, now that you're able to move around a bit more, do you think that your pain has improved or worsened at all, like around the time that you do more activity? Yeah. If I overdo it, if I feel like I'm pushing too far, if I really want to do something and it makes it so I'm going much longer than I expected, um, it does sometimes get worse later in the day, um, the pain and stuff. But 
Not really. Like when I go to physical therapy, I call it uh, an exercise because it's just a full out workout. Like it's not physical therapy. I'm working at my whole body, every yeah. every part. So it doesn't feel worse or better, like specifically afterwards or during. Um, so that's a good thing, I think. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. And, um, you know, people that have had an opportunity to listen to your story, I'm sure are like that's, you know, a sign of hope for them and also encouragement to continue to push forward. And and you have been through a lot over, you know, several years now. And so um, seeing you like this also makes me very happy. Um, so tell, tell me a little bit about school. What does that look like? And um, do you have to do anything in person? Um, what are your requirements right now? So since I was bedroom for three years, during that time, I didn't go to school. So I'm 20 and I'm finishing high school right now. So just a shout out to your own path in life. You don't have to go a specific way. Um, and right now, school for me, I reintegrated last November uh, and I was really nervous because I had a lot of bad experiences with school when I was sick. And it ended up being okay. I took one class and then I ended up taking, and then my school ended up telling me that I have, in order to graduate by their required timeline, I have to take six classes. And that became really stressful really fast. And I couldn't cope with it. It made everything worse physically for me too. It just was so stressful that it, it put a lot of pressure on my body, put a lot of pressure on my mind. And so we ended up figuring out a different path I can take where I'm going to go to their fully online school for my the school that I go to. They have an online version. And that allows me to graduate a year later so I can take um, three classes right now. And that has been going pretty well. It's stressful. I mean, school's always stressful, but but I I have a really good relationship with my teachers. Um We've worked out a good plan to make it so I can let them know if I'm not feeling well that day. We can have a shorter class session. We could. I'm I'm fortunate enough to be at a one-on-one -on -one school, so I'm working one-on-one -on -one with my teachers, and it's it's been great. Especially because I'm 20 and I don't want to really go to a high school, but that's just a personal decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I've been working with my teachers. I can have shorter classes. I can miss classes and not have to make up work that I missed, and it's been pretty good. Good. I think that hearing you speak so openly about this too is really important because I think there are so many people that, you know, are managing multiple chronic illnesses that have had to put their life on hold and, um, you know, probably feel like they're behind and they're, you know, not able to keep up with everything that everyone else is doing on, you know, the path that society yeah. has created for us. And, basically told us that we have to follow if we want to be like a positive contributor. Um, so thank you for opening up about that. Um, yeah. how, how has navigating that been emotionally? So in the beginning years of being sick, it was so challenging, especially when all my friends graduated high school, when I saw my sister continuing in her education and it was devastating. It was, it was frankly a grieving process. Um, because you can grieve more than people. You can grieve life experiences that you missed and uh, expectations that you had that didn't end up coming true. 
And so that was a big deal for me for a long time. I would, I would even have dreams about it. I like had dreams about not graduating and all my friends leaving me and whatever. So, so it was hard. And then, and then I realized that it is kind of a conveyor belt of life that people put you on. And that's what the, that's how I call it. I don't know. And everyone's expected to kind of go the same path. And I'm like, I don't need to do that. And it's kind of cool that I'm not doing that. It's kind of cool that I'm able to take my time and do it my way that feels best for me. So now it's something that I'm really okay with and I'm just taking my time and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am like very impressed. Um, I think that it's really hard to kind of come to peace with that. And I'm sure that you've done a lot of thinking and a lot of work to get there. Um, And I'm also sure that it's not just like an upward straight line, you know, trajectory. I'm sure there are times when when things are still a little bit, you know, more challenging. Um, So can you talk me through kind of building off of the conversation of like how you've been managing that portion of your life emotionally? Um, Talk about how you've been able to manage just living with a chronic illness, um, multiple chronic illnesses, and, um, you know, how over time that has evolved for you. Yeah. So, like I said, the beginning was a very challenging time, especially because I was so young, especially because we didn't know what was going on at first. And this is something that isn't well understood right now. Um, So... It was so challenging. I felt completely alone in it. My parents tried their best to help me, um, but they had no idea what was going on. It was really strange behaviors and symptoms and things that didn't make sense. So that was challenging. And then to make matters worse, like the whole doctors and therapists not being helpful and being that opposite of helpful and uh, having that just make it even more confusing and kind of make me even more feel like an outcast almost in like in society and in my friends and everything especially the friend part like I had a really good foundation before I was sick I would had a lot of friends I had a lot of good social activities and it couldn't last when I when I first got sick it just didn't last and I lost many friends and I and I just had a really rough go of it for a while And then when I couldn't find answers to what was wrong with me physically and mentally and everything, um, not wrong with me, let's rephrase that. When I couldn't find answers to what was ailing me at the time. uh, I love that change. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, that's when I became bedridden because I just kept getting more sick. And then, and life was just completely frozen in time, like paused. I, I didn't leave my room for at least a year at one point um it was just a nightmare I didn't know what anyone expects from their life and no friends no contact with other people except really my family and some therapists and doctors along the way who didn't help like I said and then and then I found and then through the help of my parents because they yay for them never gave up looking um I found my current medical team and the doctor who's in charge of my care and when I started working with them, my whole team there, 
it started to change rapidly, my lifestyle. I was not fighting with my parents anymore because despite the fact that they wanted to help me, they couldn't and then they didn't understand. So we fought a lot. I stopped fighting with my parents. I started to do more things that I couldn't do, but not because I was forced to do them, because I wanted to and because I felt like able to. And and slowly, I've been working with my current medical team for about three years at this point. And slowly, I just started doing more and more and going outside of my room, talking to friends, meeting with a friend, and going back to school and doing art and singing and dancing even, which is so hard now, but it's things that I love to do before, but I'm doing them differently now and that's okay. I'm doing them as an adult. I was not an adult when I started this process and I'm doing this as a person who has chronic illness. So, so, so yeah. Well, it seems like in addition to school, you're taking the time to also like fill your life with things that bring you joy. Um, and you are also incredibly creative. Um, so tell us a little bit about the things that you've created since you got sick and then, you know, had a little bit more energy to be able to, to create something new. Yeah. So it started, I think with embroidery, which is like a little old lady thing, but I love it. And it started really basic. I'd never done embroidery before. I did that and I got pretty good at it really quickly, which was super fun. And then lots of drawing and things I could do from bed, you know? And then at one point I was like, I just want to write. I don't know why. I just want to write. I was never a writer in the past. I basically was afraid of writing growing up like I didn't like reading or writing that was like my least favorite thing in school and now I love to write and I think I write pretty well if if I do say so myself (laughs) I love to write poetry more than anything and it's helped me not just as a creative outlet but as like an emotional and pain physical outlet it it allows me to think more creatively in my words and do more explaining in a way that you can't just do in a conversation. So I love writing and I love to sing. I love to dance, like I said, Um, and I love to do my makeup. I have a little makeup today if you can watch the video, but but yeah. Yeah. No, you always look so beautiful. Um, What is your blog called that people can go and read oh yes i have a blog called for the healing soul.com and yeah i started that about a year ago um with the encouraging of my creative writing teacher of all people and i've been writing some things on there it's not super consistent but it is something i always come back to and i and i love adding to yeah well i've thoroughly enjoyed um reading it and i feel like i learned something new every time Um, so I encourage people to check it out. Um, and these outlets that you have discovered for yourself, um, are they energy consuming where you have to dedicate, you know, some of your spoons to them? Or is this something that is more restorative for you or maybe a combination of both? I definitely say it's a combination of both. Um, 
with with the things when I enter like a flow state if anybody knows what that is kind of you know when you get into doing something you love and you feel like time just doesn't exist and you're just writing or you're just doing whatever it is when I get into that state I don't think it's very draining um but if I am doing something like dancing or of course that is tiring but like the like the nonprofit I kind of work with sometimes called CHIP, uh, Creative Healing for Youth in Pain, they kind of talk about how creativity is healing. And and I've definitely found that to be true. So it's definitely restorative in many ways. Yeah. I think that when we are diagnosed, if we're lucky enough to be diagnosed, um, there's an aspect of medical care that is ignored. Um including, you know, healing your mind and your body in different ways. Um, has there been anything else outside of what Western medicine would or has encouraged you to do that you feel like has been particularly helpful in your healing process? Yeah, for sure. Um, the mind-body connection is overlooked in, in so many ways. But even more so, I think the mind-body-spirit connection is something that is super overlooked. Usually, in at least in the Western world here, you go to a physical doctor first. Maybe then you go to a mental health type of doctor. And then you maybe, if it comes down to it, you go to see Eastern medicine, spiritual work. If you're not already, if you're not already knowledgeable about those sort of things. Um, and that's how it kind of went for me. Except therapists first, then the doctors. And, um, and, I have found that spirituality, for me at least, is a huge part of my healing. I found it to be the most effective and efficient ways I've healed. And I found it to be like some of the, for example, some of the things that you can talk about in a mental health sense, like acceptance or surrender or being present, it, it makes sense, but you don't really have all the like oomph behind it that the spirituality gives it um it can be discussed through a spiritual lens and when you do that i think it really makes it more potent and more actionable for you or for me at least and that's why i think it's a really important part yeah i'd love to hear how you kind of discovered that or stepped into that as part of your healing process yeah so I had done some acupuncture in the past um, just because that's a more widely accepted form of Eastern medicine here. And I found it to be effective, but I was in the pits of it at the time. So it didn't help me in the ways that it maybe it could now. And so I was already aware that Eastern medicine existed, but then I, it actually started like this. It's a very interesting story. Out of nowhere, I was like, I need to go outside more. I really need to go outside more. I just have to. I hadn't gone outside very often for years at that point. And so I started going out into my backyard and I was hanging out there. And then I was like, I need to research like spirituality. It just like hit me. I don't know. <laughs> like I have no other reason for it. I was like, I need to research spirituality. I did some research and started reading some books, um, Eckhart Tolle and others that are really inspirational for me. And it just flipped a switch. And I was like, oh, no, I'm missing something huge. Like, this is this is something that needs to be learned about and understood. And the more I learned, the better I felt. Like, 
<laughs> like I swear, I, I as soon as I started reading these books and stuff and researching and going outside, I felt happier. I felt less bothered by my symptoms. I felt just like it made sense. It felt more at peace. It gave it gave me a reason like for my suffering. And and just basically made it made me understand why I've gone through what I've gone through in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm sure that um, that perspective is super helpful in being able to navigate, you know, the constant um, challenges that your body presents you. Um, In addition to all of the effects that these illnesses have on our like social life and our emotional health and all of these things. Um, so I, I love that that's something that you, you know, dove into and, and gave a chance. And I'm really glad that it's been so helpful for you. I think, you know, I believe that there would be people out there that, you know, may think that these conditions are psychological in nature and they'll say, oh, you're doing better after you addressed your mental health or you addressed, you know, this thing. Like, no wonder, it must be psychological. But I think it's like, no, that's just part of the picture where, you know, if something is, you know, manifesting physically that, you know, you have to get that addressed in addition to addressing, you know, what's going on up here and in here. Yeah. Um, Because as you are very familiar with, um, you know, there are things that you've had to heal from as a result of trying to find answers. <laughs> yeah. Hello. So, um, if you, if you, excuse me, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about kind of some of the experiences that you had at the very beginning of trying to find answers that have um, been, you know, challenging on your spirit and your heart, um, I think that would be wonderful for people to hear. Of course. One thing I want to say before I get into that is even if it was 100% psychological, why should that be less valid? That's a big, big issue because trust me, I, I felt that at first too. I'm not just like coming out here saying, oh, it was always okay. No, it, but, but I think there is no separation between the mind and body. There's no separation. You, when you're crying, for example, you're sad, you sit in a specific way. You hold your body in a specific way because it's all connected. It's That's just an example I really love because it's a little different than I think people are used to hearing maybe. So, but for me in the beginning of this, of this process, I, I was, it was, okay. So first of all, <laughs> it was all triggered. My chronic illness was triggered because of the extreme stress I had um, from a move across the country with my family. And it's not the only reason why it happened. I was, as my therapist was said, hanging my thread before we moved, but the moves and the stress from it just triggered it all. So that was already something that made people say, oh, wow, like you can't handle a move from a stress, like a stress from a move. You're not, you're not like, okay, you're, you're crying, you're depressed, you're whatever it is. That's why you're having these symptoms. Because the first symptoms I had were a high heart rate and temperature imbalance and the pre-syncope and syncope that I was experiencing. So, so basically, 
I was told by many therapists that we approached, because like I said, we approached therapists first. That, oh yeah, you're just having extreme anxiety. You're just having extreme anxiety or you're really depressed and you're not trying to do things. And I was like, no, I really want to do things. I really want to be in school with my friends. I really want to be going out and doing this and that or whatever. But they thought I had no interest. They thought I had no that I had no desire to do those things. And they thought I was just really anxious. And from the start, I knew that wasn't just it. And I did think I was anxious. I did think I was depressed, but I knew that wasn't the only thing going on. But because I was being told that was the only thing going on, I couldn't even admit that those were things I were feeling. I was a feeling, you know what I mean? Like, so, so I was like, I don't have anxiety. I have zero anxiety. Like that's not happening because I didn't want them to continue this narrative about me. That didn't work. I kept getting worse. We didn't look anywhere other than the mental health therapist field. Um, and they just kept saying, you need more in- intensive, extreme support for your condition because you're getting worse. And by worse, I mean, I was inconsolable at all times. Like I was in pain. I was feeling so many symptoms that I can't even possibly begin to count. And I had just gone through a lot of trauma because like I'm neurodivergent and that means I have a form of autism and for me at least. And the move was so triggering because I can't handle that level of stress at all times. Like I can't handle that level of change and stress for someone who's neurodivergent. So... I was inconsolable after a lot of trauma and pain and not being understood by anybody around me. So it was damaging. It was very, very damaging. Already, I was already traumatized from the move and then the effects of all those bad experiences with different types of therapists. And I saw a lot of therapists. So it was, it was many years. It was two years of seeing therapists and I got no assistance. And then we decided we would move to seeing some physical doctors when when things got more physical. So have you continued to see mental health care professionals since you realized that the care you were getting from them wasn't what you needed? Yeah, so it was very sensitive it was a very sensitive topic at first when we met my medical team that I have now they wanted to set me up with one immediately a a mental health professional and I was like "Mm." (laughs) I was like I don't think so so they ended up holding off for a while doing some other interventions like behaviorists and medications and things like that and eventually I said okay I think I know I should see a therapist but it has to be a good one it has to be a good one it has to be someone who really understands where I'm coming from and won't treat me like the old ones did. And so I tried one therapist, didn't go so well. And then they found another one for me. And we've been working together ever since. It's been about two years of working together. And she's wonderful. And she understands that I have sensitivities when it comes to working with the therapist. So if I get upset about something she says, we'll work it out together. And the work I've done, my trauma work I've done with her has been really great. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, talk about how your relationship with your family has also evolved through this process because 
you have so vulnerably shared um, some of the challenges that you faced in your personal relationships as a result of all of this. And um, as you said, they've been steadfast in trying to find answers and give support, but I know that also hasn't been easy. And I think that's often a shared experience with people that are living with invisible chronic illnesses and especially ones that are undiagnosed. Um, because you don't even, if you don't know what's going on and you're having all these physical manifestations, like you're also experiencing a lot of emotion. And, you know, if you're spending all this time around the same people, things can get really tense. Um, so if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about that, I think that would be great for our listeners. So it, my relationship with my parents before I became sick was really great. We're a pretty close-knit family. I have a sister as well, older sister by two years. And, and we had a good relationship. Like, it was pretty good. Like, much better than I think so. My friends' relationships might have been with their families. Like, it was just tight-knit. So then I became sick, and I became, like, the problem of the family. I became, like, you know, the issue. And, and... My sister and I really disconnected in the first few years of being sick. Um, She didn't really want to ask about what was going on. She didn't want to talk to me or come into my room when I was upset, which was pretty much all the time. And she had her own thing going on. So not her own thing. I mean, school and stuff. That's her own thing. Um, She had her own thing going on that way. So she and I were not connected in the first few years. And then my parents, like I said, were working really hard to try to help me and and I always said that I didn't know what was going on, but I knew wasn't going on. What wasn't going on, I should say. Um, I could tell you all the things that it wasn't. But my parents couldn't trust that because, because I was a 14-year-old and because all their medical professionals were telling them something else. So they didn't know what to do. I'm their child. They want to do what's best for me. And they think, okay, I'm going to listen to these doctors. And do what it takes to help you feel better but in some cases that included boxing me out when I was in distress not coming to me that included taking away things as a punishment for my behaviors that weren't in my control um and so it was a very very hard time for for those first three years um, and they you know they tried to give her medications that doctors wanted me to take that I didn't want to take because they weren't helpful and they were actually the opposite sometimes. So, so it was rough. It was very, very rough. We would fight all the time and it was just not what I would have. I, I said things and they said things that we probably would have never imagined we'd say to each other beforehand. And then I met my behaviorist um, who isn't really a behaviorist with me, but she's more of a behaviorist with my parents. She, she works with them a lot, especially in the beginning and kind of letting them know like this isn't my fault this isn't something I'm choosing at all and that they need to be there for me as a support and not as somebody who is trying to fix it so it immediate our relationship immediately shifted and once I was in a more stable state less of the outbursts and crying and things that were out of control at the time um Outbursts physically too, like physical episodes of sorts. Once we got, once I got more stable, 
my sister and I started to rebuild our relationship. And that has been, I would say, one of my favorite things over the past few years. Um, I know I've put in a ton of work to try to help her understand what's happened and help her understand that I understand what it might have been like for her. I can't fully understand, but, you know, being the sick kid and having the other kid who doesn't get as much attention when you're in a teenager age, you know, that makes it very hard for the other kid or the other kids or whoever is in your family. But so I've been trying to be there for her, let her know I understand her, let her try to understand me and spending lots of time with each other. And now we're closer than we've ever been. So I'm really, really happy about that. I love her so much. And and my parents and I are back on the same page. And they are so supportive of me. I think I take it for granted sometimes. Um, they are so supportive of me. And they try hard every day. They try hard every day. Well, it almost brings me to tears. Um, it's a... Uh incredibly like challenging thing that you went through but I think that there's no way that you guys are not a lot closer as a result of this um and your parents are also so strong like you are um and have obviously instilled that in you um and grown I'm sure alongside you and you know, I'm as I get older, I'm realizing I'm, you know, getting closer to getting married and maybe hopefully having kids one day and realizing like no one has anything figured out. You know, adult yeah. it's their full first time as adults too. Um and so everybody makes mistakes along the way, but I admire the forgiveness that's been um given on on both ends and just the dedication to continuing to to love and support each other, I think is incredibly admirable um, and and beautiful to hear about. Yeah. Uh, no one has it figured out. And also, every child is so unique. You don't know where you're going to be handed. Yeah. So, so there's that too. Yeah. If you had any sort of advice to siblings or parents or caregivers of of patients that are you know going through something similar to you is there anything that you would offer them definitely um for starters i would commend them on whatever they've been through whatever they've handled it i i hope and assume that they've always had the best interests in mind and and I would say, you know, remember that whoever's sick in your family, whoever has the illness or uh, whatever it is, remember that they never wanted this and that they are trying their best too at all times, even when it seems like they're not trying at all. They are trying their best at all times. And just like you are, just like the caregiver is in the sibling. And and it's just a gift that you you guys are able to be with each other. So... So I appreciate your time together and love each other. Yeah. I think that's a a really great way to look at it is like so many people don't get to spend time with their loved ones and it, it's so hard, right? Like you would never wish anything like this upon anybody. Um, 
but I'm sure that you have some, there are some aspects of what you've been through that um, have made you grateful in some way. And I, I, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but I know that that's something that we've talked about before. Um, And for me, when I got sick, like my mom, because of the pandemic, was able to work from home and take care of me. Like I was like on the couch all day and she was like between meetings, like quickly throwing food together to like deliver it to me because if she didn't cook, I wouldn't eat and like going like places like she needed to drive me everywhere like if I had to go somewhere because I didn't have the energy and like that's time that usually parents of a 23 year old never get with their child and it was incredibly challenging for her to navigate that especially when you know parents just want to help and they don't know how because doctors also don't know how right (laughs) it makes it really really um really tricky but I do know that that time that we had together, even though it was like not in the greatest of spirits, is something that I would never take back. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you say that there is anything that you wish in terms of resources were available to your parents at the time and what that would look like in a, an ideal, fantastical world? Okay, yeah. So you know, online resources for sure were lacking. Um, even just like looking up, I have this sort of thing and I don't know what this means. You know, everything would point towards typically mental health. Um, and like I said, that is very valid and very real and like just as important. But if that's not only the only thing that's occurring, then it's not that helpful. So online resources, like when you have a Google search and also just for my parents, I'd say a, like a support group for them, like something for them, because I know they were part of a Facebook group about dysautonomia and stuff, but they didn't find the environment to be very uplifting or friendly or anything of that sort of uh, thing. So so I'd say support for, group for them and resources about, you know, what's going on and how to handle it. Yeah. Yeah. I have like felt similarly that there are a lack of resources um, and also the resources that people desire, I think, are very different. Mm -hmm. Uh, It sounds like your parents were kind of looking for support, encouragement and and some positivity. And, um, you know, everybody knows the reality of what they're living with. And I think the reminder of that um, through hearing like, more tragedy, you know, makes you feel like you're less alone in experiencing that, but doesn't necessarily help you move forward. At least that's my perspective. Yeah. I, I even have said in the past, like, okay, it's really great to know other people are going through this. But once I know, I don't need to keep knowing. Like, I, I get it. People are going through this. It's great. And I'm not alone. But I really want to connect on it in a different way. I'm sure they feel the same too, my parents. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for for sharing all of that. Um, I would kind of love to hear your any like grand plans that you have or big goals that you have um now that you've seen, you know, a little bit of 
of physical improvement. Um, if there's anything that you're working towards or, you know, sometimes it's just my goal to be able to get through the day and in, in my plans, which is also so valid too. Um, but I'm curious to hear about, you know, how your outlook on the future has changed given, you know, some of the improvement you've seen. Yeah. You know, I went from thinking I'm doomed, like I have no way out of this to really knowing that my future is so good and knowing that my future is so bright. And well, for starters, I really like to have a full day at Disneyland. That's been on my list for a while. <laughs> Love Disneyland. But other than that, I would say, you know, I'm planning on graduating high school next year, finally. And I would like to then further my education, um, maybe maybe study psychology and uh, religion, and also um, gain other certifications for Eastern medicine and create my own sort of practice where I can where I can treat people's mind, body, and spirit. So that's the thing I really want to do. I, I think I'm on this earth to heal. So I'm very excited for all that's to come. That is so exciting. Um, and congratulations on the progress that you have made um, and all the hard work that you have put into that. Um, and also we need that those kinds of providers that are treating the patient holistically. Um, and so there's going to be no shortage of people that will need your services one day. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course. I would love to hear about, um, you know, the community that you have built for yourself once you were able to start to take on some more relationships. Um, you know, it, it takes a lot of energy to sustain relationships. And I think yeah. that's one thing that's really hard about navigating this. Like you mentioned, it was like friendships kind of fizzled away when, you know, things got really, really hard. It's impossible to explain to people what's going on. And in addition to being able to see them and um, maintain, you know, constant communication if that's necessary. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about the people in your life that have um, been added to your community since you've seen some improvement. Yeah. So through that nonprofit chip that I talked about earlier, I've met my best friend right now and I've not met her in person. So I'm hoping to do that this summer, but she is someone who also uh, lives with chronic illness. And so we are able to understand each other in a way that is really special. And, you know, if I can't respond to a text for a few days and she can't respond to a text for a few days, we, we don't judge and we, we just, we just love each other anyway. Yeah. So, so that's really great. And I have also my, my behaviorist that I talked about, my therapist, they're big parts of my support team. Um, I also have, let's see, I have, I'm blanking. Well, we talked about the, uh, the community that you have also, yes. um, stepped into. Yes. So I have a favorite podcast, uh, Maybe this will be my new favorite podcast, but 
Um, but I have my favorite podcast, my favorite spirituality podcast, let's say. Um, and the host of that created a community online um, where anybody can join and get to know each other and share some experiences about spirituality. And through that, I've made a few new friends. Uh, I talk to them pretty often. I love checking in with people, just seeing how they're doing and not expecting a funny response. So uh, that's that's something really great about my current relationships. And I've become friends with a few people there and they just understand me in another type of different way where they understand my spiritual side and my thoughts and feelings in those ways. So that's been also really cool. Going back to what you said about not expecting a phony response, I I think that having people in your life where you can be upfront and honest with them about, you know, how you're doing is so important. Um, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So actually when I when I first moved and we did that move that was really traumatic for me. And I we actually moved back to where we started. We moved back to California where I live. And I tried hanging out with my, with my friends and I love my friends that I used that I most of my friends that I used to have um I and, and that I still have some of them of course but when I first moved back I no one wanted to hear really what I was going through no one really at my school the ones I was weren't as close with no one really wanted to hear what I was going through and their conversations were very surface level and I was like okay like I feel like I've just had my world flipped upside down and I'm not like ready to just like not have that be a part of my conversation right now. So, so having people that you can be honest with and they're honest with you, I mean, not only does that lead to a deeper relationship with that person, but I think expressing how you feel, not even hearing the response that might be really helpful, but just expressing how you're feeling honestly is such a big deal I was just talking with one this I was talking about this topic with one of my friends from that uh spirituality group and he was saying how sometimes it's just a saying it it's just saying it and not even the response but sometimes the response is also very helpful of course when you're being honest so that's really I think something important yeah and I think that in my experience at least with building relationships with the people in like the disunderstood and chronic illness community it's i think everybody recognizes that it is important to be able to express those things and to share how you're feeling and also to not expect anything in return um not desiring any pity not wanting people to feel sorry for you um but just like acknowledging that that's something that you're going through and i think in a relationship, whether it's, you know, a friendship, a family relationship, a romantic relationship, you need to be able to express kind of where you're at. Mm -hmm. So then people also have a better understanding of like, what are you able to contribute at this time? Maybe what is, why are, you know, things looking maybe a little bit different right now? Like, oh, I'm actually able to share that, you know, things are improving over the last couple of weeks. I have a little bit more energy. Like I'd love to see you being, you know, being open about where you're at um, also allows people to like have realistic expectations. And these are all the things that when you're healthy with, you know, quote unquote, unlimited energy, you may not think about. Um, 
But, you know, the people that care, want to hear, um, and, you know, want to help, but also know that there's only so much they can do. Um, and so those are the the people that I have at least um, come to cherish and appreciate when, you know, when they're like, do you want to talk about it or do you not want to talk about it? Uh, yeah, just meeting somebody where they're at and not giving unsolicited advice is very important. And, and like you said, just acknowledging and validating what they're feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really not up for this right now. I'm really tired or I'm really whatever. And they say, oh, okay, I hear you. Like, don't worry about it. Just, you know, we're just going to take it at your pace. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a conversation a long time ago when I was starting Disunderstood. And I would love to know what motivated you to contribute to this community. Yeah. At first, I had no desire to be in this community once I felt better. I was like, as soon as I'm feeling better, I'm out of here. I don't want to associate with this. It's been a terrible part of my life. But that's not the case anymore. I take that back. Um, <laughs> There's no judgment. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely, I feel like the people in this community are so special. I feel like they're unique and they have been through something unique. And that makes that makes it feel like this is something special. This is something that matters. These are people's lives, their experiences, years of their lives that might might be able, if, if given the right help, might be much easier and might, might be much more joyful even. And if I can do anything to help people who have gone through something similar to me and to let them know that they're not alone, let them know that there is no pressure to be any sort of way or to feel any sort of way and just do anything in my power to to have a shortcut for them to feel better as soon as possible I'll do it I I'm here for the long run I'm here to like you know I'm here to I'm here to help people so yeah yeah your amazing goals of um one day becoming a provider to treat people in in all aspects of their mind, body, spirit, health, um, I think is also very much a testament to um, your, you know, determination to be able to help people that are dealing with these incredibly challenging circumstances where there's no roadmap um, and being able to address, you know, all parts of the person um, and understanding that that's important, I think, is really important. And, and you also have the personal experience. Yeah. Um, how do you feel like your experience is going to make you, you know, a better provider if if you are able to, um, you know, bring that clinic to life one day? Yeah. So I, I feel like, you know, there's only so much you can learn from a book and from reading about it. And just knowing there was always goals and expectations to tell. Like, okay, we want you to be able to feel better by this date in this way. Or we want you to be able to do this by this time. Whatever it is. Like, there's always goals that you have. And to know that whatever you do is okay, however your feeling's okay, we're going to aim towards this, but I'm here to hold your hand. Like, I've been through it. I 
I know what it's like and you can't be working at 100% all the time. So being able to approach a patient, let's say, and having it be a gentle healing and having it be personalized and and having it be personal too, not just we're going to like shitty this medication and do this and do that and having it be just a real connection with the patient and understanding where they're coming from and then working with them from there. I think that's going to be the most important thing. Yeah. And you you went through the process of probably having timelines placed on you, your body and your mind. And um, so I think that your perspective is going to allow you to be a patient and empathetic um, person in, in whatever you end up pursuing. Um, and I'm hoping that some medical students or medical professionals are able to listen to these podcasts and kind of gain a better understanding of the experiences of patients living with, you know, dysautonomia, chronic fatigue, all, you know, post-viral illnesses, all of these invisible illnesses. Um, And the majority of them, thank goodness, don't ever have to go through this. Um, Is there anything specific that you would offer them um, as a form of advice for, you know, approaching patients like us? Yeah, just like kind of like what I was saying in two of my previous answers. No, they were always doing our best. It is not being doing your best is not meaning doing the the very best you can possibly do. And like if you have to break your legs and whatever, like just to do that best, then that's what it is. No. Sometimes your best may be zero effort, but that is the best you can do. So, or zero effort, you know what I mean. Like, z- like zero what appears to be effort. But, but, so I would just say, know that we're trying our best. Know that we want the best for ourselves. We're not here wanting to get worse or wanting to just be in the same position we are now. We want to feel better. We want to do more. And if you could help us do that in any way, then then that would be fantastic. Yeah, I think that's, it's challenging um, to, to set expectations for, for patients and and what they're able to do, you know, the, the providers not existing um, inside of our bodies and our experiences and in the context in which we're living. Um, But being able to provide, you know, some perspective to them is is something that I really hope to do. Um, and I think you also will be able to continue to do that. And, you know, if you pursue a psychology degree and you have classmates that you're working with and, um, you know, you're always going to be able to provide them with some wisdom and your experiences that they're going to gain from that. So, yeah. Um, going back to some of the spirituality work um, to kind of wrap up our conversation today, is there anything that you feel like has been, I guess, that stands out or has been really impactful to you in terms of like what you focus your perspective on or when things are really hard, what is it that you, I guess, lean on to um, to change how you're feeling or 
your outlook on a given situation? What is it that really keeps you feeling grounded and at peace? It's a really good question. Um, I mean, there are a handful of things, but if I could choose one, I would say... Ooh, it's hard to explain, but I'll do my best. So I personally believe that everything is energy. I think our heartbeat is an energetic force and energy never dies. And that's why we're all energy. So I think that that energy is light. I think that energy is goodness. And when I'm in a dark place, I remember I had this really bad migraine on top of all my other symptoms one day and I was completely by myself and it was not really nice. So at one point I just had to say like, I am light. Things are okay. Like my body is suffering right now, but my spirit is the same and my spirit is with me and I'm actually okay deep down. My body is going through something and if I can remember that I am light and I am and I'm okay you know then then that's that's something I found to be very helpful yeah well I have certainly gained um so much wisdom from our conversation today and from all of the stories and experiences that you've so willingly shared with our community and on your blog um and I just want to thank you for your willingness to open up about all of this and your motivation to continue to contribute in ways that help others. Uh, You are doing such great things in the world. And I personally, and on behalf of the people who have been, you know, able to listen, um, really, really appreciate it and look forward to seeing where um, life continues to take you. So thank Thank you, Daniela. It's been a pleasure and I'm so grateful for Disunderstood and all the work you do as well. Well, thanks. We'll talk very soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Feeling inspired to share your own Disunderstood story? Head to disunderstood.com slash contact us. You can find all things at that website or at Disunderstood on Instagram and TikTok. You can find me at Ellie Easton. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.